0: Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question, while providing real solutions for a biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Pastor Charles Roberts and Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Out of the Question podcast. Today is Friday, April 27th as we record this. My name is Charles Roberts.
1: And my name is Andrea Schwartz.
0: Today we want to take up a topic that uh, has been on a lot of people's minds and in front of a lot of people's eyes. And that is the question of what is fake news? You know, how do I know something I am reading or hearing or watching is real or fake? Uh, That's been uh, in, in the news, to use the term, quite a bit lately. But behind that question is another, which is how do I evaluate truth? How do I evaluate what is real? So Andrea, you're ready to talk about what's fake and what's real or not?
1: Yeah, I am, but I think first of all we should parse this grammatically a little bit. When we talk about fake news or real news, fake and real are adjectives that that qualify something else and the noun is news. So first, let's talk about what is news? What makes something news? And looking at a dictionary definition, will say things that come to light that people didn't know before or things that other people bring to light that they think is important. And it also includes the idea that someone is making the decision as to what is news. So how many times does somebody come up to you and go, hey, Charles, what's up? What's new? And you say, Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Because do they really want to know that your back hurts or that you stubbed your toe or that, you know, you're having a bit of a spat with your wife or you don't think you make enough money? A lot of times we'll just answer and say, not much. Everything's good. So when somebody asked us for our news, we're making an assessment as to what exactly we're going to tell them. And isn't that also true about How news is presented, whether it's on the television or the radio or newspapers, magazines, Facebook, whatever it is, somebody's making a decision what others need to
0: know. And this is a very ancient topic and subject. We might think of it as something very contemporary, but as far back at least as the ancient Roman Empire, especially in the bigger cities like Rome, for example, if Information was to be communicated to the citizens and people of Rome. I don't know the formal Latin title, but there would be a guy who would stand up on the steps of some great building or other, and he would have a slate tablet or something, and uh, with great gesticulations, he would announce that Caesar had done this or the Senate has done that. And so this was the news of the day, and that's how it was communicated. And of course, fast-forwarding to many centuries later, when print And the printing press became popular. Newspapers became the means by which information, what we call news, was communicated. And you can go online and see examples of newspapers from many, many decades ago. And what's most striking about it is the fact that there are no images. There are virtually no pictures. It's all print type in very small columns. And depending, again, on the type of newspaper, the sort of information that was communicated might be relating to some accident that happened, some action on the part of some army or some political group, or the Smiths received their aunt and uncle for a visit this past Sunday afternoon, and everybody had a good time. That was news in in some circles. And then, of course, with the advent of radio and television, news took on a somewhat different character. Some of us can still remember the days in the late 50s into the mid-60s, When there were only three television news networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, it was either David Brinkley and Chet Huntley, or I don't remember some of the other guys, and there was a guy, the ABC guy, I can't remember what his name was, but, and as you said, somebody at these networks or at this newspaper decides what will be the news for the day. Obviously, if you've got a newspaper of a limited number of pages and more relevant today, perhaps, A TV broadcast, at least in the old days, was typically 30 minutes. You had to pack a lot of information into that. I don't have a clear enough memory, and I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention, I guess, when I was 10 or 12 years old, to what David Brinkley and Chet Huntley were saying. But it mostly was politics and the economy and and that sort of thing.
1: Now, I remember the Vietnam War was going on while I was in grammar school, high school, Everybody got together to watch the news at either 6 o'clock or 11 o'clock, and you were going to find out what happened. And one of the big things were body count, how many U.S. troops were killed as opposed to how many enemy troops were killed. And I remember watching adults be gratified or not gratified based on these numbers, I don't ever remember someone saying, should we be in this war or shouldn't we, at least in my family, because you know, my family, my, my grandparents were immigrants from Italy and they were now Americans and you were going to do what America said and you, know, you stand for America. So even the information we got coupled with images and, and images probably are way more effective in steering people's view. Because an image is very hard to get rid of, whereas if you're going to read or going to listen, that's much more active. You have to actually be doing something, but the picture just kind of comes at you. And so a lot of people started coming to conclusions based on these pre-digested images.
0: That is a very important point, one that I want to return to uh, in just a few moments, but I, I think I would like to include some context especially on this issue of the reporting, whether it be the Vietnam War, which I, like you, remember very well, or the more recent wars that never seem to end in our culture and our world. But the the groundwork for us understanding some of this goes all the way back to the early 20th century and the influence of a man that perhaps maybe some of our listeners have heard of, but I would guess most Americans probably haven't. And that was a man named Edward Bernays, B-E-R-N-A-Y-S, Edward Bernays published a book in 1928 called Propaganda. And he is considered the father of modern advertising and public relations. And uh, this is what he said in that book. I'm quoting him here in this book. Listen carefully. He says, The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the truly ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes are formed, and our ideas suggested largely by men who we have never heard of. It is they who pull the wires that control the public mind, End of quote. Now, that was a statement not meant to be derogatory. He was simply saying this is reality or how it can and should be, and it's interesting on the point that you were talking about regarding the television coverage and reporting of the Vietnam War, This man, Edward Bernays, was eventually hired to help Woodrow Wilson and his administration promote the idea of the United States getting involved in World War I with the idea, quote, of bringing, quote, democracy to Europe. So this enters into this whole question about how do I know what I'm hearing or watching or reading is true or fake. In the case of Bernays, he went on to promote some wildly popular products, and convinced people through the efforts of advertising techniques to buy things that previously they had no idea they needed. One of those things was uh, the, the, the Lucky Strike brand of cigarettes, and especially getting women to smoke them. He had a technique whereby he promoted the color of the cigarette pack. It was a fashionable green color. There were several other things that he did like that. The ad- advertising campaign to promote ivory soap, the fact that it floated and was more buoyant, convinced thousands and thousands of Americans to go buy this soap, even though the fact that it floated didn't make it any better than the other brand of soap.
1: So he really, and there's a documentary, which I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's a multi-part documentary, and it's available on YouTube to watch. So if people take and put his name in, they'll hear it. You'll be amazed if you sit through the entire thing, exactly how manipulated successfully people were. You would brought up women smoking. Well, they got to a point where they had pretty much saturated the market with men smoking. And so how were they going to get women to smoke? Well, around the time where you want to capitalize on feminist ideology in terms of sometimes women are not given the same shake as men, At a rather prominent gathering, and I don't remember what the gathering was, he had a bunch of women publicly light up and smoke, and it was scandalous in some areas, but it also fed into this idea, why shouldn't women be just as able to do things men can do, and how remarkable that By doing so, women were exposing their lungs to just as much bad stuff as as men might be doing. The point being is it was manipulation. If somebody said, we want to increase sales of cigarettes and the way to do it is to trick women into thinking that by doing this, they're asserting their independence, I don't know that a lot of people would have done that, saying this is something to manipulate you. The whole idea of effective manipulation is not telling people you're doing it.
0: And in his case in particular, from what I have read, and I think the information is accurate, uh, he himself talked about this. His own wife had become a smoker, and he tried very hard to make her stop. Anytime he found a pack of cigarettes in the house, he would throw it out. But at least one of the events that you referred to was a campaign that he did to overcome the the, the sales resistance to cigarette smoking among women, whereby in 1929, he staged uh, an event. Uh, at, an, at an Easter parade, having very fashionable young women flaunt their, as he called them, their torches of freedom. He's famous in, in this regard for what he called the, the engineering of consent, the engineering of consent, and uh, whether it be consent to buy a particular type of product or to convince or gain consent that, say, the United States needs to be involved in a war in Southeast Asia or in the Middle East. This idea has been around for a long time, and we also know from declassified documents and from other uh, sources of information that the Central Intelligence Agency and the U.S. military have been closely associated with much of the major media. They have had operatives and people uh, embedded, to use the modern term, with the New York Times, the Washington Post. I well recall uh, hearing an interview with one of the co stars of the now defunct although i think they 've tried to bring it back the x files TV series there, there was a spin off from that uh, TV series called the lone gunman uh, there were There were three men in the, in the series who appeared on a semi regular basis and they spun off a whole new TV uh, series called the lone gunman and uh, and like the x file, it was built around conspiracy and that sort of thing. What was most interesting, and the reason I bring this up is that the very first episode of the Lone Gunman spinoff series had to do with terrorists flying planes into a building. But guess what? This episode was released months before 9-11. And one of the stars, one of the three men who starred in that series, was interviewed on a radio show, and he said that he knew for a fact that the individuals pointed out to him that there were individuals from the CIA who were on the set, during the filming of some of these episodes prior to nine eleven, So this becomes very important when we start to consider how do we know what we are seeing or reading is really the truth, and how can we get behind that and find out?
1: And before we actually get to the truth thing, I think there's another aspect we have to at least acknowledge, that with computer-generated images being what they are, anybody who still thinks that when you're watching a movie and two people are fighting at the edge of a cliff, that they actually brought the actors up and put them on the edge of a cliff and had them fight with each other. Uh, If you know anything about green screens and blue screens, they set the actors up and they're in a studio. And if you were there watching the filming of it, it would actually probably be very comical because you'd see people being horrified by big monsters, except the big monsters aren't there because they're going to be computer generated into it afterwards. And so since today, even the visuals that are produced are not real. So virtually every movie you watch is fake because None of it can happen that way. I laugh at all the the police shows and the bad guy shows where guns are being fired. People would be deaf. They wouldn't be able to hear with all that stuff ricocheting. If you've ever been in a gun range, they make you wear that the, the covering on your ears because you could severely damage it. Or when people get punched repeatedly that they get right back up and you know they don't even bleed very much. So the point is if everything that we experience visually that comes through a medium that has editors and directors and producers that have agendas is anything genuine. And now we're back to how do I evaluate what's true?
0: I think this is a, a in some ways a more challenging issue for people of younger generations in that they have never known a time when green screen type technology was not being used. I remember, as I know you do, the interview that was done with R.J. Rush uh, on the PBS series with Bill Moyers. And uh, Mr. Moyers actually went to Rush's library and uh, the facility at Vallecito, as far as I know, please correct me if I'm wrong, and interviewed him in, in his library. But but the point is is that nowadays, if I had a proper type of image of R.J. Rushtuny's library, I could put that on a green screen and, and, and do a video clip that made it look like I was actually in his library, and most people wouldn't be able to tell the difference.
1: I remember watching the movie Forrest Gump in the movie theaters, and this is yes. – if you watch it now – Things deteriorate over time. So things are obvious. But when they had Tom Hanks shaking hands with Khrushchev and shaking hands with Nixon and shaking hands with Lyndon Johnson, I remember coming out of the movie and I was so upset. And my husband's like, what's your problem? Didn't you like the movie? I said, they can do that with anything. Because we know Tom Hanks isn't really Forrest Gump. And we know that he wasn't there shaking hands with all these people. But for the purpose of the movie, you think he was. And so I saw it with my own eyes.
0: That movie is a prime example of how images can be manipulated and something made to look like it took place when, in fact, it never did. And, you know, okay, maybe that's quote-unquote harmless entertainment, but the issue goes back to what you were talking about with the Vietnam War reporting. I know for a fact that in the case of that war, and even more so nowadays, there were people with the military in the Pentagon who attempted and in some cases were very successful at uh, keeping statistics and figures about casualties and massacres. I mean, many people from our, our generation remember the milai Massacre and what that means. Uh, younger people, you can Google it and find out. But there were many other examples of like that that never made the news, some of them even far worse. Another example of that sort of thing, I think it was during the first Iraq War. I can't remember which of the two, but the news networks then, and this would have been the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, every night, and and to this point, as of this date, so many hundreds of American military have, have died. What the American public were not being told, however, is that those figures were not complete. Those figures did not include American military who had been seriously wounded and removed from the battle area to a hospital, say, in Germany or in england and later died so the figures were not accurate they were not people were not being really told told the truth so what
1: we're saying is most of what we think we know is filtered information and now we need to identify what's truth and i think from a biblical point of view the first thing we have to say that truth with a capital t is another name for the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. And Jesus identifies himself, along with being the way and the life, is truth. And so if we're going to sincerely and accurately evaluate truth, that's the standard that we have to prepare to.
0: We have to start somewhere in order to evaluate truth. And this becomes a very crucial issue because you have to have a solid, infallible, inerrant, trustworthy ground for the justification of the knowledge that you claim to have and seek. And this is the problem with modern man and the humanistic worldview, is that it refuses to start with the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, Thy word is truth, Scripture tells us, meaning God's word and his revelation, uh, and that includes everything that, that you just said. A man wants to start with himself rather than with God's word. And we see this paradigm, the example of this that's given to us from the very beginning and the stories that are recounted for us of the history of the creation, the physical universe and the world, but also of humanity, where the thing that starts the very beginning of all things is God speaking, God's word bringing things into existence, and then him speaking to the creature that he has created. I was reading an article that Martin Selbretti wrote, some years ago where he and another Chalcedon official had attended a conference that was uh, intended to sort of sound the alarm about the rise of the so-called Christian right of which um, people who think like we do were a target for some of that concern. And he quoted an article by Rush Dooney in that report saying where Rush had pointed out the fact that these are the differences, these are the two primary differences between these different worldviews. The idea that there there is no creator-creature distinction, there is no prior word from God, it's all one and the same thing. When all of that idea is vested in one source and one place, then it can determine for itself what is true and what is not true. And so therefore, if we want to paint a reality for the population, that would lead people to believe that every second or third person you meet on the street is a practicing homosexual when the statistics, the real statistics, say something totally different than that, or that there is a terrorist under your bed and you had better get on board with whatever the military campaign may be, no matter how many billions of dollars it costs us to mount these sorts of things, then that can be manipulated and massaged however we want it to look like.
1: So it sounds like if somebody were going to extrapolate a conclusion from what we're saying is don't trust anybody about anything – because how do you know if somebody's saying it's true unless you personally can verify it so some people might say i know there's an eiffel tower because i've seen pictures of it and i haven't been there so maybe i'll say there is no eiffel tower except maybe i know people who have been to france and they say they've seen the eiffel tower so what do you say to somebody who doesn't have the ability to go ahead and verify everything to be able to evaluate what's true.
0: Well, we have to have uh, reliable information and and a means by which we can establish that. I mean, if we find there are hundreds of thousands of people who have said the Eiffel Tower is real, it's there, here are the pictures that I took, is it possible that they're all lying and uh, deceiving us with fake news? It's possible. Is it probable? No. Under those circumstances, it isn't. And this is this is the way that we can see, for example, some of the things that we are, have been talking about most recently in the news has been the issue of a gas attack in Syria, and the U.S. government has claimed that the president of the country, Assad, is the one who perpetuated this awful thing on his citizens. And so uh, there have been endless news reports. Is it possible that they're wrong? Yes, it is. Is it probable? Well, in this case we have found and can find other individuals who've actually gone to where this supposedly took place and interviewed people, and they're getting a totally different analysis and account of what took place. So there are means by which uh, things that may be up for discussion or confusing can be properly analyzed, but it goes back to the issue of integrity and what is the ultimate goal and purpose behind the information that uh, is being communicated.
1: This is what becomes important from my way of thinking. There's no way I'm going to go to Syria and verify what happened or didn't happen. And to be honest with you, it's not all that easy for me to even assess what's a reliable source. Because nowadays, all you have to do is know a little bit about how the internet functions and you go and put in a search item and you're just as likely to get all sorts of returns that were written by content writers that were paid by various companies or product lines to say that their product is good, as opposed to the appearance of independent verification. I think it boils down to what are the things that we really need to be interested in in order for us to serve the kingdom of God? I'm not in a position to make decisions about Syria, but I am in a position to make decisions about products I'll use for my family, whether or not I will support a particular effort or not. And that's where I think going back to the scriptures and aligning ourselves with God's word will give us the ability to even assess what's important and what's not.
0: Well, in terms of uh, practical things like products to buy for the family, how do I know those things are reliable? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we, we are given in God's law basic standards of righteousness, of justice, of fairness, of integrity, of what constitutes real money, for example, and also a fair amount of things concerning healthy living and things that we should do and not do. And let's go back to an earlier example we, we talked about. A practical item that anybody would need in their home is soap. And I just gave the example earlier about how Bernays' advertising campaign promoted certain brands of soap or other, others, uh, not because they were any better, but simply because they wanted to sell more of them and make a lot of money. The idea was uh, promoted that if this one has more buoyancy, it's better. Another thing were Dixie cups. Most people didn't have disposable drinkware, at that point in American history. And so the idea of a disposable throwaway cup was a revolutionary one in one sense. And so uh, Bernays floated the idea that these things were more sanitary, that if you had the old cup laying around that you couldn't throw away or you didn't wash every five minutes, you were probably creating an environment that would create grave danger to your family. And so the disposable plastic or paper cup became very, very popular. But any, all anyone had to do was to sit back and say, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, I haven't had these disposable cups, and my family has been healthy and fine. So I think the, the, the way that a lot of this so-called fake news, misinformation, disinformation, false flag things, which I, I, I want to bring up in just a moment, the, the way that these things have been successful, apart from the advancement of the technology to be able to make it look more real, is the fact that people have lost the ability to think critically and to analyze things. And so the promotion of these things had to wait for the advent of a time where the population has been dumbed down and lost this ability, and it's been easily manipulated by images. You know, we we have spent some time talking about education, and I have mentioned in a previous broadcast how all of my early education was done in government schools and public schools. And it's been very striking to me to notice that in recent decades, public schools, where you look into, if you, you know, go into a classroom or you see a, a news report, we're in the fourth grade classroom of Miss So-and-so at such-and-such school. And you look in the classroom, and it is almost completely, the, the room is almost completely covered with images and pictures and murals and all sorts of things like that, which in an earlier age, you didn't have that. You might have had the alphabet across the front of the, the room maybe a picture of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, but none of the kind of heavy overdosing of images, which is the same thing that we see all around us in the culture. And people are more easily manipulated by pictures and images and impressions than they are by words and facts.
1: And so when we talk about what's fake and what's real, that's going to have a reference point. I often, in trying to convey the idea of presuppositional thinking, In other words, people already have made some sort of conclusion. They're really not blank slates. And so the example I would use is you're in a checkout line in a grocery store, and you see a mother swatting her child on the hand. What's going on if that's all you see? Well, if you're a woman who has raised children, and you know that on the checkout line there are all sorts of things that are tempting someone to buy – my first impression is the kid touched something mom didn't want him to have or he wasn't listening and mom said no and he did it anyway, got a swat on the hand. To someone who thinks any sort of corporal or physical discipline of children is wrong, that's an abusive parent. So on the one hand, somebody says, oh, there's a parent doing what the parent should do. On the other hand, someone's saying, this is terrible what that person is doing. They both see the same event, but they interpret it very differently based on conclusions they've already come to.
0: And so that you're saying is an example of somebody bringing a a presupposition uh, to an event or something that they're seeing and making a judgment based on that presupposition. Is that your point?
1: I guess what I'm saying is today when there are algorithms on what you're going to see on your news feeds or a Facebook feed, You're going to see things that they consider you would agree with because somebody is paying to then advertise products to you. Ever really want to have an eye opening experience? Instead of listening to the radio stations you always listen to or go to the news sites online you always go to, go to different news sites, ones that you would consider unreliable, and see what the people who gravitate towards that perspective or seeing, the groups are seeing very different things and their presuppositions are being cemented. And so what one group says is news and what another group says is news, well, it might be two different things because they have different agendas in terms of what they're trying to convey.
0: Yeah, and we can go back even to the very beginning to find examples of what we'll call disinformation, misinformation, or fake news, I think probably the beginning of it goes right back to the temptation and fall of humanity in the garden, You know where God speaks his word and gives very clear distinction and instruction about not eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, Satan comes along and right away injects a question mark into the truth of what God said and a distortion is entered in. And the, the, the key thing is, and this is to your point, Andrea, the, the question that is put to Eve, the point of it is to make her become the judge of reality rather than relying on what God said. You know, did God really say this, that, and the other? And so she responds, we're not to eat of it, nor are we to touch it. I don't know if it's an important distinction. Maybe it is. He didn't say anything about not touching it. He said, don't eat it. But Right away, there's been a little bit of a distortion where she has said she's added that. But the bigger thing is is that she has been challenged by Satan to use her own mind as the judge of God's truth and God's reality.
1: Another modern example or a current example, male celebrities who are going on trial or people of power and finding out they have decades of sexually violating women who they were in touch with and that's on everybody's conversations now because these are prominent people or it's a prominent industry or whatever it is and that's the news and the interesting thing is once you acknowledge that this is all filtered and you see what it now is dominating my question always is hmm what's going on that People's attention is being drawn away from towards this other thing. So let's go back to your example with the serpent and Eve. The serpent didn't call Eve's attention to everything that was really good around her the magnificence of the garden, how she could do anything she wanted other than God's saying, don't do this. And I think news has become let's not talk about how wonderful God is in how he deals with us, it has become, let's talk about all the bad things. Let's focus attention on the bad things. So for every person who has used his position of power to dominate and subject other people, how many people don't do that? But that's not news. It's kind of like man bites dog is the news. Dog bites man isn't because we expect dogs to bite man. So we won't talk about that.
0: We use the example of the uh, grocery store line, uh, being in the line at the grocery store. People may recall, and you can still see this to some extent, but as you're standing there in the line, you would look over and there would be a rack of TV guide and the, the national Enquirer and these sort of yellow journalism type publications with outlandish nonsensical stories that nobody took to be true. You know, woman gives birth to alien babies with pointed ears, you know, uh, um, UFO lands on the White House and President welcomes visitor from the planet Mars. These kinds of ridiculously nonsensical things. And, you know, the stories would be crafted and made to look real, but everybody knew it was just nonsense. But nowadays, you see, people don't seem to be able to critically assess and make those kind of distinctions because the, the groundwork, the foundation of what truth really is and that there is objective truth, true truth, it has sort of vanished, and the starting point is that as we said a moment ago, God has spoken, God has revealed himself, He has spoken his word, and that is the foundation of everything else, and by which everything else is to be analyzed. Does that mean in a truly godly society, there should be no news broadcast? Certainly not. Of course, there could be a news broadcast, but the the top shelf part of the agenda for the news broadcast is telling the truth of properly putting forth what the subject matter may be, if it has to do with a particular event or, or whatever, then there is integrity and, and righteousness brought into that process. But the problem today is that people, uh, the, the news is largely dominated by things relating to the state and its projects and its, um, its connections with the entertainment industry uh, and that sort of thing.
1: The Bible says wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And then after you obtain wisdom, there's understanding, there's discernment, there's integrity that goes along with all of it. Something might be true, but is it really necessary that the whole world know about it? Again, if you're trying to shift people's attention in a, in a particular direction, then everybody needs to know. And in terms of sexual abuse, misbehavior, I don't know too many people, especially those who were converted in adulthood, who don't have sins that they're well aware of in their past. And someone discovers a sin of someone's past without any context of repentance, restitution, or things of that nature, We can make what somebody did when he was 17 years old as if now that he's 57 years old, he's the same person. And so the whole idea that says we know everything about a person because I read it or I saw it doesn't even begin to ask the question, has that person repented of his sin? Has that person tried to make restitution and restore the situation? Since these are not elements that secularists will really care about because it won't sell. Their, their advertisers aren't going to say, oh, yes, I'll, I'll pay money for you to talk about how somebody repented of his sin. We're, we're not going to see that. And then we're, we're now evaluating things outside of a biblical context as opposed
0: to within one. Absolutely. Who among us is without sin? Even if we were converted young in life, we still face that same challenge. I remember many years ago when Alexander Solzhenitsyn was still alive and he had been exiled and kicked out of the Soviet Union. He was invited to Harvard to give a speech. I think it was in 1978. I happened to land on the TV channel when he was doing it live, of course, speaking in Russian. And that speech was eventually published as a little booklet called A World Split Apart. And one of the most amazing things, among many others, that he said to these highfalutin Harvard intellectuals who were seething with anger at him for what he was saying, is that something along the fact that he could not recommend Western culture to the then suffering Christians of Soviet communism, because it is in some ways far worse. He said, at least these people that I know who are suffering under persecution under communism have some integrity, and they have a moral standard. He referred to advertising and entertainment and people having their, to use his words, divine souls stuffed with this kind of useless information. And for somebody coming from a culture that was very different, where at that time at least they didn't, and I mean, 1978, nothing like it is today in terms of this overload of this type of stuff, it was very striking and almost overwhelming to him that the average person was continually bombarded by basically useless information that had no real bearing on how to properly live their lives.
1: And so when you approach things that way, what happens when people get into overload, they stop listening to anything and they'll just listen to those things that appeal to them. Now you mentioned something earlier that I really don't know if you want to get into, but if you do, I I think it'd be a good time to talk about it. You talked about false flags and how false flag events, or at least what's deemed false flag events, tie into the whole idea of fake news.
0: Oh, do I ever want to get into this. <laughs> I'm going to get, I, there are a number of these things that can be talked about, and for the sake of brevity and just to give two very good examples. Uh, I'm going to mention two incidents, or two things. One was something that no one had known anything about, until um, the 1990s a, an assassination uh, review board having to do with the assassination of President Kennedy found these documents uh, that were absolutely real and it was further corroborated by James Bamford who used to work for the National Security Agency is something called Operation Northwoods and what this was it was it was a proposal from the US military and intelligence agencies trying to suggest a way that the. US could ev- invade and take over Cuba and so there were some things suggested such as sinking a boat full of Cubans and, and making it look like the, the Cuban government did it, dressing people up as you know Cuban guerrillas and having them commit acts of violence when, in fact, they, they weren't Cuban at all. They were just made to look that way. And this was something that was actually proposed. President Kennedy, to his credit, said, uh, no, we're not going to do anything like that. That's ridiculous. But that was a serious proposal on the part of the U.S. Defense Department. About creating incidents that it made it look like uh, somebody that we didn't like at the time, Cuba, had done something, and therefore we've got an excuse to go in and, and invade. Another one is, uh, that actually did result in some activity was the Gulf of Tonkin incident. This incident occurred supposedly in 1964, and what happened was that the CIA uh, conducted operations uh, that were reported by the NSA as to be actually have been taken, uh, had been done by the North Vietnamese against the United States, and specifically what was said was that two U.S. warships, the USS Maddox and the USS Turner, had been attacked by North Vietnamese ships or boats, and that was used as a reason to gin up support for further U.S. involvement in Vietnam, but it was later admitted in declassified documents in the year 2005 that both the CIA and and the NSA were involved, and they were the ones who manufactured the incident,
1: now, the sad part about that is by the time it comes to light, sure, people like you or uh, me who were maybe influenced by this will will feel betrayed. But you talk to other people who are younger, as you pointed out earlier, and they'll say, oh, okay, okay, yeah. No, that, that's ancient history. That happened a long time ago. And each generation swallows the previous propaganda – especially if it makes it into their history textbooks. And let's face it, textbooks are just one step away from the evening news. This is pre-digested information that somebody has made the decision, this is what's important to know.
0: Yeah, and the whole idea of uh, quote-unquote false flag comes from, I don't know if it was a specific incident, I think it actually was, I don't remember the the particular case, But the idea that, especially when you had more naval um, dominance of the seas, whether it be the Spanish or the British or whoever, that you would send out a a warship and you run up the flag of the country that you want to implicate and you have them attack one of your own ships without the other ship knowing anything about. They think it's, you know, that country X because they're flying the flag of country X. The whole thing was done just simply to make it look like they had done it. And in other words, a false flag was run up the flagpole. And that's where this comes from. Well, people are simply living in a dream world, no pun intended, if they think that nothing like this goes on anymore. It may be ancient history. That's part of the problem. It has been going on for a long time. And sadly, uh, it continues.
1: So I don't think the solution is dig a hole, stick your head in it, and decide that nothing that you hear or see or witness is of any value. What you have to do is just kind of bunker down and wait for God to take you out of this mess. I think a different approach involves us being aware of what we're called to do. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or justice, and everything else will be added unto you. So, if you want the ability to have discernment and understanding, then your focus needs to be on the kingdom of God. And then God will supply you with what you need to know. Now, some people will say, well, that's living in a dream world. Well, I would say to them, then you obviously don't take the words of Jesus seriously. Because just even being able to understand things like the propaganda machine and marketing and how news is filtered and whatnot, it shouldn't surprise anyone. We know that man is thoroughly Throughout all aspects of his being, depraved apart from regeneration. And I think it's time people really start looking at things from those points of view. It's not that an unregenerate person can't tell the truth any more than it's true that a regenerate person might never lie. But you'll never have a way to figure out what's true and what's not unless you are standing on the rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ and his law word.
0: And insofar as people have been properly guided and instructed in that law word, they will have a foundation, uh, they will have a reference point by which to analyze and understand everything that goes on around them, including the reporting of news and stories and and things of that nature, and a basic understanding in, in the case of we who live in these United States of what a constitutional republic is all about and what it looks like and how it's supposed to function is an equally important thing. So almost without exception, whenever fake news or false flag incidents are ginned up or uh, perpetrated, there is something going on that is contrary to God's word. It is some violation of the basic constitutional principles of the republic that our founding fathers gave us. Uh, in other words, there's some nefarious reason or something going on that is a part of the whole um, false and phony and dishonest project from the very beginning. and people who are properly grounded in god 's truth won't be doing things like that, at least not with impunity. Uh, there, there will be some accountability. but when you 've got a society that has completely divested itself, the idea of absolute truth being grounded in god 's revelation in his word, then everything becomes possible. Or to put it in another way, then some other standard will be the the thing that defines what is true, and uh, what is false, and everything will be up for grabs. I remember a, a statement that was quoted from from the great George Orwell novel 1984. You know, one of the things that was continually going on in that story was that the uh, the state was was supposedly constantly at war with these other quadrants uh, or sec- sections of the world, and the statement was. The purpose of the war is not to win. The purpose of the war is that it be continuous.
1: Unless somebody will say, okay, so Charles, he's just a conspiracy nut. Conspiracies everywhere. Well, there's two things I have to say to that. Number one, the funny expression, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't out to get you. So you could be seeing things behind every bush, and you're right. 2% of the time, but that 2% of the time might be injurious to you. But just in case somebody thinks the whole idea of conspiracy is unbiblical, I'd invite them to read Psalm 2. Psalm 2 tells us there is this conspiracy. It also tells us who wins and who has the upper hand or the ultimate hand in all of this. So anybody who thinks that If you're dealing with a sinful world that has not bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, that you won't get falsehoods, that you won't get deceptions, then they're not living in the real world. They're living in the unreal world, in the fake world, because the real world is the world of God and his law, where his word doesn't return to him void.
0: And his justice prevails. You know, it, in having these kind of discussions, maybe, as you said, we need to point out and remember that however powerful fallen humanity may appear with its technology, its missiles and bombs and tanks or whatever it may be, humanism is doomed never to defeat God's kingdom.
1: Amen. That's so true. And I think that's where we walk by faith and not by sight. Especially since we've just described that walking by sight, sometimes somebody can have contrived an image to make you think something is true when it's not.
0: That's that's correct. Well, hopefully we've plumbed the depths of this uh, topic in a profitable way for our listeners. If folks would go to the calcedon.edu website and click on the resources tab, and if you would search for this article, the following article that I'm going to recommend by Martin Sobretti, it's called Examining the Agenda of Secularism. It was published September 1st, 2005. Uh, There's some very interesting and I think helpful uh, things there. It doesn't deal directly with what we're talking about, but there are some parenthetical or tangential side issues that are brought up in this article that are highly relevant to what we are discussing. And And maybe
1: uh, if people did go to YouTube, as I said, and looked up Bernays, and watch the series of videos there, they'd get a lot to consider.
0: Yes, thank you. Edward Bernays, uh, B-E-R-N-A-Y-S. And you can still get his book, Propaganda. Read it for yourself, what he had to say. And, and you can see how uh, a lot of what, most of what we're dealing with today on this topic comes directly from those ideas. We yeah. want to thank our listeners for tuning in today. Uh, We'll be back next time with another uh, edition of Out of the Question podcast, where we seek to go behind the questions that people have that are on their minds today. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, visit www.kingdomdrivenfamily.com.